It's Hannah from the SheHH podcast team. Welcome back to the SheHH podcast where we interview women in Christian music all over the world. In this episode, we'll be speaking with MOBA-nominated singer-songwriter Sarah Tabo. She tells us about her career in gospel music so far, what it was like featuring gospel legend Fred Hammond on the album, and the power of social media. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at SheHH podcast and join in the conversation. Thanks for tuning in. So how would you introduce yourself to someone who doesn't really know about you or your music or what you do? I'll probably start by saying I'm a bit of a workaholic and a juggler in the sense that I'm married with two kids. I live in London. I'm a recording artist, so I have a couple of gospel music albums out. I'm also a worship leader. I serve in my church in the worship team and in the kids' work. So whoever's meeting me for the first time will be going, wow, she's got her hands full. But that is literally how I would introduce myself or describe myself to somebody meeting me for the first time. Amazing. And you you chose your actual name, your actual name as your stage slash yeah. artist name. Yeah. I think it was important for you to kind of pick your name. Yeah, I used Sarah Tabo as my stage name because that's who I am. However, before I actually came out as a recording artist, I wanted to be different and I started calling myself Soulful Sarah. And that was because before I came out as a recording artist, I did some research and I asked people, how would you describe me as a singer? And everyone came back and said, soulful, soulful, soulful. So I thought, okay, you know, alliteration, where's it irrelevant? I just said, soulful, Sarah. So I had a concert before I came out as a recording artist, a a worship concert, and it was soulful, Sarah. And then one of my mentors said, why, why do you want to, you know, use these funny names? It's literally how he said it. He said, why don't you just call yourself yourself? Why don't you just go by Sarah Tabo and let God do what he will do? through mm-hmm. just being you. And I took that advice and I just scrapped off for Sarah. So when I came out as a recording artist, I came out as Sarah Tabo. And I think it's a very unique name, to be fair. So I don't think I get mistaken for many people. So it's my husband's um, last name, obviously. And yeah. he's Nigerian. I'm Nigerian as well. But he's from the Yoruba tribe in Nigeria. And in their dialect, um, their Yoruba dialect, Tabo <laughs> means Toyimbo. And Toyimbo means like very worthy honorable as good as the best out there whatever kind of that's what it kind of means um but if you've ever heard I don't know if you've got many Nigerian acquaintances there are some names that end with Toyibo so mm-hmm. that is their dialect is table so it's not common I don't know many people apart from my husband's kind of family who have because yeah. a lot of Yoruba names are very common but yeah. theirs is really unique and a lot of people think I'm from some random place like Zimbabwe or I, I, was, I was like, I was like well, is this an East African country? Exactly, people think I'm from East Africa a lot, but it's a Yoruba name. I'm Nigerian as well. That's why I was really surprised <laughs> when I did my research. I realized you were Nigerian. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting, but it's cool because yeah. it's unique. So yeah, yeah. for anyone else, yeah, yeah, I couldn't have even made it up. I love it. I love it. <laughs> we're gonna dive right into like your music and talk about your latest album well it was a couple years ago now um keep walking because i the first album was um walk with me me. and then the second album's keep walking i was like she's really going for this walking theme i love it i I get really stuck sometimes myself to be fair so you're not the only one (laughs) 
so what can you tell us about this album and the fact that we have a legend like Fred Hammond on one of the songs? Yeah, I mean, Keep Walking, for me, it was a really scary period because when I came up with the first album, Walk With Me, I released the album in May 2016. And by August, I had a mobile nomination as a brand new artist never before heard of. And so at that point, as much as I was really happy, you know, for the accolade and the recognition, I was nervous to, to like, what was I going to do next that would surpass, you know, this? I felt like, gosh, I've kind of peaked too soon. So right mm-hmm. from that point, I was really scared about my next project. You know, I knew I was going to have another project, but I was like, God, you need to do something big because I don't know. What, I mean, and I don't really sit down and say, therefore, I'm going to do this down the other. But I'm like, God, you have to do something, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, Keep Walking is literally a continuation of the, the Walk With Me album in the sense that it's reiterating the importance of faith and not just for Christians, but even for non-Christians. Because when I came up with the first two albums, my focus and actually my assignments, because that was how God directed me, was to write music that was not just for the church because worship because mm-hmm. I'm a worship leader I've been a worship leader since my teenage years but God has started to God has started to and is still continuing to enlighten me around how worship is not just for Christians because we were all created to worship but unfortunately only well fortunately for us but unfortunately for many other people they don't know who to worship or how to worship and we need to write music that would gradually draw them in to God and gradually shift their focus to him albeit very subtly, because you can't necessarily, you know, sing certain Christian songs to non-Christians and they'll understand everything that you're talking about. So the first couple of albums that I came up with were really worship in the sense that they were kind of designed and crafted to enable Christians, obviously, to embrace the message, but even more so for Mm non-Christians to be able to, to listen to the words in the song and begin to see a different side to life, a different meaning to life, and hopefully see God in the music as well. So Keep Walking was really a continuation of that first album, and even more so pulling you into the importance of identifying God, the importance Mm -hmm. of faith in God, the importance of walking by faith. So even though each of the songs have different titles per se, they all kind of converge in that one central message, which is that God is the ultimate source and our faith should be focused on him. So then leaning on to the other question about the Fred Hammond collaboration, that song, for example, like a child, you know, the, the lyrics literally go, not having all the answers to life's questions. I can't see the bigger picture. I don't understand, but I know that you will come through for me somehow. And so like a child, I will trust in you, you know, and and those are the kind of simple words. But then a non-Christian who's completely at their wit's end could hear that and be like, you know what, maybe it's time for me to start looking at something bigger than myself, you know. So and the way it's written, produced, you know, and delivered is really such that it goes beyond church spaces. And it has thankfully done that. Um. And then the Fred Hammond, do you want me to go straight to that? Or are you going to ask me later? Because that is a whole... But you uh, mentioned it about the way that it was written, produced, yeah. crafted to go beyond just the church. Mm-hmm. I know that because there are different remixes. And so, like, some of the remixes are proper, like, do, 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 let's dance, let's dance. So you, it's, you could tell it's like, no, this is not just for church. Yeah. And obviously you have Fred Hammond, which everyone in gospel will know anyway. Mm-hmm. So it got that message really clearly which is really cool mm-hmm. um, yeah I would love to know how Fred Hammond happened and how you felt and being called his niece and all that cool stuff like tell me tell me <laughs> um I think the Fred Hammond collaboration for me is the utmost as far as achievements that I've ever made in my very short time being a recording artist which is about five years um 
And I have listened to this dude for decades. I feel like every season of my life can be tagged to a song of his that's either seen me through or helped me through in one way or another. And Like a Child that I referenced earlier was initially written just as a song to be on the project. I never had any grand ambitions other than you know, bring it out. But it was the first single that I released in 2016. That was in January. And when I released it, um, much to my, very reluctantly, because I'm not a fan of Spotify, but unfortunately it's the only way to go because Spotify only pays artists a fraction of a penny for every stream. So when you hear someone say they've got a million streams, in reality, they probably only got like £2,000. And that's after spending two years probably waiting to get that kind of money. You know, yeah. you can't make a living off £2,000 in the whole year, if you think about it. But if there was yeah. no Spotify and you could sell every single listen per se, then, you know, you'd be. So point being, I was not keen on Spotify at the time, but I had no choice. So I started pushing the song to people I thought had, you know, playlists or had friends who had playlists and saying, oh, this is, a, you know, a song, you know, send it to your friends. They might have a playlist. And it ended up with a um, a guy in America who has a playlist. And when he heard the song, he was like, this is really good, you know. I think we should do a remix of the song and feature an American so it can get even a wider audience. And I'm thinking, okay, I had no idea where he was going, but I'm like, yeah, why not? And next thing I knew, I was on the phone to him and he was like, so I love this song. Um, Who would you like to collaborate with on a feature? I couldn't even name any names because as far as I'm concerned, I'm not in the league of any of these American artists. And I could only come up with Jonathan McReynolds or even Kiara Shedd because I'm thinking maybe, you know, they're like low-hanging fruit. Even still, they're still, you know, quite big stars in their own right. But um, and he just kept going, yeah, name somebody else, name somebody else. I'm like, well, if I have to really push it, I'll say Kimberra because I love her and that would be my uh, my dream. And he says, no, 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 how about name someone else? I'm thinking, gosh, okay, I don't know. And he goes, how about Fred Hammond? When he said that, I was about to collapse. I'm thinking, how, like, <laughs> what you know and it was like yeah, yeah 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 yeah. i'll send the song to him if he likes it you know for a fee he'll do the collaboration i'm like okay i couldn't i was as you i could literally still am every time i think about it i don't even have words but anyway he sent the song across and i couldn't sleep for days because i wasn't sure if he was going to like the song and after a couple of days i got a message back he was happy to do it and i even got a voice note from fred where he was singing his idea for how he wanted to interpret the song. Wow. And then he sent me a voice note and was going, hey, niece, um, do you want it to go like this? And actually, before we even got there, I was given his number. So I rang him up and thanked him for being you know, willing to collaborate. And I was starstruck. Like the first 30 seconds, I was just freaking out about, I'm so sorry, but I just have to let you know that you're so, so a blessing for me. For all the, da, da, da. And I was just freaking out. And he was so calm on the other side of the phone going, yeah. Cool. He's only used to it. He's uh, yeah, he was so cool. I was like peeing my pants or whatever. It was just crazy. I'm on the phone to Fred Hammond. Are you kidding me? So I need to let him know how he's blessed all blessed me all these years, you know. But anyway, so that 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 was done, and then we became normal human beings. And so he messaged me back um subsequently, and I was crying when I heard him singing back, asking me what mm. I thought about his interpretation of my song. I was like, God, how could I possibly write a song? And Fred Hammond, of all people, is singing to me on the phone and saying, yeah, should I sing it like this? I'm like, jeez, I couldn't even, I couldn't, I just couldn't. I'm like, what? Why are you even asking me? Like, but it was actually very, um, it was, I don't even have the words. It was surreal. It was unbelievable. It was like a dream. 
that, mm-hmm. you know, this person, I mean, when I had my miscarriages, it was his music that saw me through that mm-hmm. season. Even at the time this collaboration conversation was happening, I just lost my mum. We were planning her funeral. And before oh. we had that conversation, his song, before even this came into the into the picture, his song was actually seeing me through my mourning process. So it was really real for me yeah. to be talking to him because his music has been like medicine for my soul, you know. So yeah. um, it was just crazy. But, I mean, that was how it happened. And the rest is history, really. And, I mean, it was weird because, not just did he do the collaboration and, you know, like a business transaction, but he kind of forged a relationship, which I thought was crazy as well. A lot of people yeah. who are big artists, not even big artists, random artists, average artists collaborate with you and they would never put it on their Instagram. Right. Yeah. They would not even say anything about it. And you'd be like, ah, oh girl, you know, but. <laughs> did, like, did this happen? Or? I know. Is it just me? Or did I do this with myself? But Fred Harold actually, although I, you know, it's like, I even messaged him. I was like, Uncle Fred, are you going to post it? He's like, yeah, I'm going to post it. Don't worry. I have a schedule. I have a schedule. It's coming. And so I'm like, wow. And he did. And he talked about it. And I was yeah, like, yeah. wow. Some people actually, because of what he said, found out about me because of that Instagram post that he did. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, Nisi, and, da, da, da. and even the music video as well, because we were struggling to get a schedule. I wanted to go to the US to record it, but it was just hard to get his diary. And then I texted him one evening and I said, hi, Uncle Fred, what are we doing about this video? It's been like eight months or something. This was about 11 p.m. or something. And he FaceTimes me right back. And this is me, like, with my hair all over. I'm, I'm in bed, like, I'm looking like a mad woman. And he just FaceTimes me right back. I'm like, Jesus, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, and then he was like, you gave the idea. I don't know if you've seen the the music video for our song, but I was Skyping him and then we're chatting over Skype and then we did the performance shots and stuff like that. But he literally said, look, if this is not happening, let's just put this whole FaceTime Skype conversation into the concept. So we Skype each other and then we do, I do my shots in the US, you do your shots and we kind of merge it together. And that was literally how we ended up doing the music video. It was literally right it was real time. We were actually on Skype. My cameraman was behind me. His was behind him in the US. We were having a conversation. And then we did our different performance shots and then the music video was done. That's so, so, like, that's so COVID before COVID. I so know, you got to do what you got to do, right? Oh, yeah. That's such a heartwarming story. Like, just have someone who you've listened to their music through your hardest periods and then they're in a song that then goes on to bless other people through their hardest periods. Yeah, true. They can only be God, really. It, it is God. Be. Not to yeah. say it is God, literally. Nothing more than God, you know. Wow. Wow. I mean, you, earlier on you mentioned that, oh, it's been a short time you've been doing this. It's only been about five years, which I mean is longer than a lot of artists these days. Um, I just kind of wanted to ask, like, what have been your motivations to keep going? You are an independent artist. It's yeah. not always easy. We're aware of that. Um, I don't know if I mentioned, but the theme of this series is the gritty truth. And it's basically the gritty truth about being a woman, about being an artist, about the music industry, the gospel music industry, you know, about your faith, about your walk. You know, we know know you're big on walks. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) Touche. runner as well I so. do run yeah but not not a pro runner no one should take me on a marathon or anything I don't do more than 5k thank you very much so. <laughs> some of us, please that's really more than some of us so <laughs> what is it that motivates you and you can be as real as you want to mm-hmm. what life is not always easy no it's not it's not at all I think being an independent artist and being a female it's 
we're literally at the bottom of the rung, I have to say. Um, mm-hmm. The UK gospel scene is a very small yet saturated scene in the sense that we have a very concentrated audience base or fan base, if you want to use that word. But then there are so many of us. And being a female even makes it more challenging because um, when I started out, one of the things I was very quick to notice was that nine times out of 10, males get more um, invitations to, to events. They get, I just look at the flyer and it's like, are there no females in this industry? That's all it takes. I remember once I actually messaged somebody who was organizing an event. It was like a rap event. There's no female. And I messaged him on Instagram. I said, I know a few females that rap that you could in, you could have on your bill. You know, like that was how bad it was. So it's a, it's a real struggle and a real challenge being, being a female. But also in an industry where there are very limited opportunities, because if you think about it, when so for example, when I'm releasing a new song and I go onto Spotify and I look for playlists where I can submit my music, mm-hmm. if I go on a database looking at genres, I mean, you don't even need to look. You just go into Spotify. You can see specific genres, even up to um, LGBTQ. Everyone has a genre, but there is no gospel genre. They only have playlists. Mm-hmm. That is how down the you know the list of priorities we are. So just working all the way from there. If you look at playlists, there are like tons of playlists for hip-hop, rap, R&B, soul, jazz, name it. But for gospel, hardly any. Most playlists are either curated by Spotify or they're curated by individuals who are very obscure and you probably wouldn't even know how to contact them. So there's a lot of work um, to be done in terms of just pushing and promoting ourselves, our music. You have to be very deliberate, very resilient as well, Mm -hmm. and very driven. And you need to know why you do what you do. Now, in my last album, um, Keep Walking, there's a song called Make You Proud, which kind of encapsulates the answer to the question that you just asked. And I'm going to break it down. So the lyrics of the song are people ask me, why are you trying so hard? You know, you know, you're not going to get paid. I literally said that in the song. And then I said, but I'll go anyway. And then mm. I go on to say, they don't know how you inspire me. Why is it so hard to see that I want to make you proud? I want to make you smile when you look down at me. And so all of the things that I do, it's really to make my father proud. It's also to bring souls. When I'm doing all that I'm doing, it's to reach people for the kingdom, to reach people with the message of God's love. And so that's one of the reasons why when I write music, when I produce songs, I want it to be of the utmost quality, obviously within the constraints of finances, but but of the utmost quality so that when a person like Fred Hammond hears it, they're like, this is a good song as well. Something with it, you know, and I feel like that's the starting point. The fact that you're, you know, you've got a message, you've got a calling is one thing, but then how are you stamping God's name on? What, what are you stamping God's name on? Is it just mediocrity or is it, you know, excellence to the best of your ability? And then on top of that, it's how then am I going to get this to as many people as possible? So it's one thing to have a product, whatever you want to call it, product message. It's another thing to push that as far as it can go. And one of my biggest motivators um, is Coca-Cola, because this is a brand that's been there for decades decades centuries probably at least least a century and they still advertise and every time I see their ad I'm like why will I not advertise why will I not promote my brand if everyone knows Coca-Cola in every nook and cranny of the world and they still advertise and I this the thing about me is I learn from the most random of things I, I just look at the ad and I'm like okay that is the reason why obscure unknown anonymous you know, unpopular, whatever you want to call me. There's only that many people who know me. And so I have every reason and more so because I have a message that's bigger than the message of Coke. Right. I have right. a more relevant message. And so that also drives me. If they can be advertising after over a century, 
a message about, you know, quench your thirst with soda. I have a bigger message about the living water, right? Mm. And I have music that would soothe your soul. I have every reason to push, you know, again, there's constraints financially. You don't have a big budget like Coca-Cola, but you have to be smart. But for me, it's about, that's what drives me. It's about the fact that I want to make God proud. I want to reach souls for him because I have a message, you know, and so just keep pushing. And there's so many obstacles. Don't get me wrong. I mean, just Spotify alone is a big obstacle. Yeah. I spent many, many a night. I mean, just a couple of days ago, I was mentoring somebody on how to get their music, you know, onto playlists. And it's hard work. You literally have to go in, look for people who have playlists, find their contact details, message them and hope to God that they respond and say, yes, I'll playlist your song. Because of the genre we're in, it's a bit easier if you're in any other genre. Yeah. I mean, even Afrobeat, you can just see plethora of that Afrobeat. They might even have their email address, everything on there. You know, there's so many. But when it comes to gospel, it's like, yeah. So it's it's challenging, but, you know, we have to push. We have to keep pushing. I mean, and just following on from that, what would you say to someone who's maybe six months, nine months, a year into it? And it's just like, yeah, this isn't for me. What would you say to them? Uh, first thing I'll say to them is try not to surround yourself with people who are negative. Because another person I was mentoring was telling me the other day that each and every person she's spoken to is about to give up. And I said to her, try to avoid such people because they're going to take all the energy that you have left. You know, try and so the first thing would be find positive people to hang around. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, you know, hanging around or lurking around people who are just about to give up, you will also give up. And the truth is, giving up is always a very appealing option but it's not the best um so don't 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 allow negativity don't allow negative energy um but secondly oh, this is a tough one but you have to be consistent when you've been out there for six months eight months nine months do you have a plan for what you're gonna what you're gonna come out with in like the next three months or something or the next six months or the next year you have to be consistent you have to have a long-term plan because if you don't have a long-term plan you're not going to have sustainability if all you've done is written one song and you've come out with that one song, how are you going to last in a market where people are coming out every six months with stuff? In order for you to be relevant, you have to be consistently putting out stuff. And this, the challenge is it costs money and it doesn't really pay back. So I can appreciate that it's like a vicious circle in the sense that, well, you're telling me to be consistent, but it's costing me two grand every time I do a song and I'm not getting even 50 yeah. pounds back. So you know, it's like how everyone else gets paid except the artist because the studio guy gets paid. The BBs get paid, the musicians get paid, Spotify gets paid, but the artist doesn't get paid. So that could be frustrating for the, you know, the person who's just started six months, nine months, even a year in, and you're going, gosh, all this money is going down the drain. That in itself is one reason a lot of people give up is that they just look at the resources just literally going down the drain. And with COVID, we haven't even had live performances and live performances yeah. used to be at least a staple when it comes to, you know, making a bit of money back, cover yeah. the cost. So, um, it's hard, but the truth is you have to be consistent. It's like being an entrepreneur. You don't make your, your profit back in the first year, maybe the first second year, even the first two years, I meant to say. But if you're persistent and consistently putting products out and if necessary, reinventing yourself as well, you know, if it means within the first year, not going out of God's will to, com- to conform to what people are saying or what people are doing, but really to look at what is sensible, you know, in line with God's will for your life in terms of maybe yeah. inventing, even rebranding. You could, you could literally just do a new photo shoot and just change your look just to be relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, you could just go on, you could start even without spending an extra penny, you could start doing a weekly thing on Instagram. So let's say, I'm going to give a practical example. Let's say you're a new artist, you've got just the one single, but you're planning on bringing something out in another six months. 
within now and that six months you need to be relevant basically because there's nothing more you can give people there's no new music in that yeah. time you can give them a, an alternative to music so you could be doing something every week on instagram for example maybe some worship or mm-hmm. whatever you know chats just to you keep yourself relevant that. because there's so much competition in quotes we don't like that word in christian circles but it's the truth that if you're not constantly in the face of your fans and followers someone else is going to grab them Mm, you can't afford to post you know on social media once a week for example you know you have to be constantly putting out stuff but I have a mentoring course so anyone who's interested can obviously contact me I only started doing this now because so many people have been asking me to do it every time I chat to people they're like god Sarah you need to do a mentoring course so I've now got that in place is that mainly for women then because like with this industry it's a lot of women that need them (laughs) well let me say I give women a discount how about that <laughs> amazing. amazing. Yeah, no, I mean that's what that's what change is all about. Like yeah. we just women that are supposed to be ministering in this way to be mm-hmm. supported, to be promoted, um, you know, just to be made aware of. Like it's not like we're not here, you know. There are Christian female rappers, there are Christian female worship leaders, there are they're in they're in rock, they're in yeah. hip hop, salsa they're in electric electro music but it's just like in their bedroom and no one else is listening to it and so that's what she hh is all about so it's amazing you're doing this mentoring course and i'll make sure to um, promote the details that people can get in touch with you about it nice um on about music um and you talked a lot about the album but we want to hear about the latest single spirit come tell us about that which is kind of a different I want to say different genre from like the last album. Um, yeah. So tell us a bit about the song and writing it and the whole process. Yeah. Um, Spirit Come, yeah, a lot of people have told me it's different. I mean, when I told my husband uh, probably a year ago that God has told me to move slightly to the side and do something different. And it says, and my husband was like, different in what way? I'm like, he wants me to do worship. And my first mm. the first question my husband asked was, so what would all what would all your fans who've known you to be like an urban gospel R and B soul artist, what would they think? I'm like, well, here's the thing. They have only seen a side of me. This is mm. another side of me. As a matter of fact, this is the main side of me that they have probably never seen. Most people who've known me from church days would be like, Yeah, that's the Sarah we know. <laughs> I've always yeah I've always led worship I've always even written music spontaneously during worship just come up with you know prophetic worship and things like that Mm -hmm. but that said it wasn't a thing that I jumped into because writing for congregational worship and for personal worship is a different kettle of fish altogether it's a different science even because it's one thing for me to be in a place of worship and come out with songs you know in worship it doesn't matter if it rhymes it doesn't matter, you know, how it sounds. It doesn't matter if it's on minor or major. I'm in worship and I love that kind of worship because it's just going on and on. It can be 10, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. When you're writing for church use, there has to be, it's almost formulaic. And that was mm-hmm. something I hadn't even perfected because I was very good at leading worship with other people's songs, obviously, and <laughs> doing prophetic worship, which doesn't need to have a structure. So when in 2018, I was back in, I was over in South Africa on tour, And I was in my hotel room and God said to me, your next project is going to be a worship album. I was like, God, you're going to have to take the wheel because writing Mm. for church music. I mean, these are songs that people have to be able to pick up and sing in their worship. They need to be able to easily sing it as a choir special 
And I just felt I wasn't there because it's something I wanted to do for the first two albums. I wanted to be able to write one or two worship songs on the first two albums. But every time I started, I ended up writing an urban, contemporary, soul or R&B song, despite my best intentions. And I felt like God kept pushing me there, like, no, I want you to do this. And believe you me, once I took on the instruction to go down, you know, the path of writing worship, every song I've written so far is just a worship song. And and God gives me such, it's, 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 it's divine because I have to say, like Spirit Come, for example, I was doing a Daniel fast in February. I, I took, I've been doing that for the last three years now. I do it in February, I do a Daniel fast. And so mm-hmm. I was down in my in my living room, reading the Bible, studying Acts chapter two through chapter four, and just reflecting on how the apostles were baptized by the Holy Spirit. And these men who previously mm-hmm. were timid, locked away, ashamed and afraid, yeah suddenly became empowered. They boldly declared the truth. They boldly declared the gospel. The church of God was birthed. We still live in the aftermath of the day of Pentecost. And I just started saying to God, Lord, we need a fresh outpouring of your presence. Holy Spirit, our generation needs more of you. We want to have that again. You know, we live in an age where it's a cancel culture. People are too scared to even, you know, say they're Christians. And we want, we can't do this without your spirit. When your spirit comes, it doesn't matter what anyone's saying. We'll stand boldly. You know, we'll declare your word with power. And that's literally how that song came about from the prayer. The song started. The verse, the bridge, the chorus, everything just came. And yeah, I didn't even start out planning to write a song. I was meditating on the word, praying, and then the song just came. And literally for this project, all the songs are going to be worship, praise. It's not just going to be all slow. (laughs) There'll be some mid-tempo songs there as well. There'll be an Afrobeat song, which a few ears have heard that song and they're like, oh my God, even I... When I hear the song, it's crazy because on this project, it's weird. The songs that I've written, they feel like they're from someone else to me because because when I hear them, I'm like, oh. It's one thing to write your own song, and and then when you when you've gone in studio, recorded, and you're listening back, I nitpick a lot, so I'm always like, ah, this that 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 that. But when I did Spirit Come, and when we finished the mixing and mastering, and I heard it for the first time, I broke into tongues when I finished. And it's wow. like, this is my song. It's weird. I don't know how to explain it. But when you're listening to someone else's song, it feels okay, right? But when you're listening to your own song and then it breaks you down and it, you know, and the same thing for the Afrobeat yeah. song, which, gosh, it's coming out next year though. But when I listen to that I'm, one as well, as soon yeah. as it comes out, as soon as it comes on, I'm just dancing away. I don't even know whose song it is. It's crazy. <laughs> so this project has been has been amazing in the sense that God has given me such songs that when I listen back, it's like, it's just God. You just know that these songs mm-hmm. are from God because you listen back and you're like, Mm-mm, this is not me. This is God. You know, it's hard to say. It's hard to explain. But when you hear the songs, I think you've heard Spirit Come. I don't know what you think about it, but yeah. oh, no, I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, I mean, I was going to say, like, you basically hint heavily hinted that this is not like that Spirit Come is just a single from an album that's yeah. coming out. Yeah. The whole time like oh yeah this is a great single and then you're like yes yeah, so the rest of the project I'm like oh <laughs> so, um, I don't want to put you on the spot I do want to put you on the spot what are we looking for in terms of um time scales for this new project yeah I mean it's look I will I would want to give you a time scale but the single that came out in August should have come out in April okay because of COVID oh. so it's so hard to you know to say this is when it's going to happen although we have recorded about 
five and a half songs ish. So mm. and we're going to ten. So depending on you know anything, I mean, if we go into another lockdown, we can't go into studio to finish the songs. Yeah. So it's kind of up in the air. But I would really like for it to come out next August. So we'll see. We'll see. Amazing. But there will be at least one or two singles before then. So oh, keep your eyes yeah. And a Christmas single is coming out as well. Oh, we love to see yeah. it. <laughs> I think that person that, like listens to Christmas music all year round and it's just like only legit during Christmas. But I'm like, we celebrate, we celebrate Jesus all year round. So why can I not be listening to this now? Okay, you're weird. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> you're just like, no, that's not a thing for me. I love it. I respect it. Well, we'll be looking out for that for sure. With this new album, are you going to continue the walking theme with the names or have you moved on from walking? We are I, now think, I, think, I think we're done with walking now. It's, it's a different season. <laughs> my, my, my older daughter said, so the next album, that was back in 2018. So my, my older daughter said, the next album is going to be Keep Running Now, right? Because we've done walking. is enough walking now. We need to fly. We're going to be flying. <laughs> we're jumping. It's different. Oh, it's, it's very different, which is good. I mean, change is good, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, definitely. And like you said, you kind of have to reinvent and just keep it relevant anyway. Correct. Um, you mentioned a bit about social media and how new artists or younger artists can, you know, keep themselves a bit more relevant by doing stuff like regular Instagram posts or Instagram lives and stuff like that. Um, you've got quite a following on Instagram. How has that been quite useful in your career so far, do you think? Oh, I think it's really useful, especially given that as Christians, um, number one, we are ambassadors of Christ. So we can actually use our social media as an evangelism tool, you know, just putting out, you know, the odd nugget um, message from prayer points to encouragements, you know, just using that as a platform for reaching out for Christ. I think it's very key. Um, secondly, as a gospel artist and recording artist with music, it also helps to reach as many people with, you know, with the songs, lyric videos and snippets and, and stuff like that. Um, and I think it's also really good for interacting with fans. Um, yeah. I always say to people, uh, I was saying to another lady the other day that you have to interact with your fans. I um, post sometimes about my running and there was a day I posted about I think a comment about breathing and how running has helped me sustain my breath. The post was so engaging. And one particular individual started chatting to me on the post about, oh yeah, I noticed I might start doing this. Da, da, da. And I was responding. And I literally take the time to respond to every comment on my page. The point being, um, engage with your fans and your followers. I had no idea this person has a TV show. No idea. Her profile is actually private, so I had no idea who she was. And then she messages me on the side and said, oh, I love your music. She found out about me from Fred Hammond, as a matter of fact. And um, I have a TV show. Would you like to come on and talk about your song? And that came about from engaging. So it's one, you can't just be on social media and be like, oh, yeah, I have X followers, so I can just be whoever and just ignore everyone. No. Even if you have a million followers, if it means getting an assistant, and I learned this from some of the big people I follow, not everyone has the time to be fair, but I found some, some accounts that grew quite significantly over a period of time. I went on and, you know, I engaged with them because I like what they do. They're actually comedians to be fair, but I noticed that every single person who comments, they comment back. I'm thinking that back then I wasn't really doing it, but I'm like, wow, they have time. Yeah. Then I realized the algorithm actually likes people who engage. Yeah. The yeah. more people are chatting, the more you're talking back and they're talking back, the algorithm thinks, oh, this is an exciting thing. Let's push it up in the search and stuff like that. Um, but also it shows people that you value their input. So yeah. it doesn't cost a penny to just type even a smiley face. Even if you're busy cooking or whatever, you just type a, yeah. a, a thank you emoji or whatever. 
True. Because at the end of the day, they might be saying something that deserves a thank you, and you just go in the emoji. And it does make people feel valued. So I think there's so many benefits. But, you know, back in the day when we had no social media, you could never directly interact with um, any person that you saw as a, um, in quotes, quote unquote, idol, somebody you listened to their music, read their book, whatever. There was no way of interacting with your models or role models or, or whatever you want to call them. But with social media, you can actually engage. And so I think being able to be accessible is a plus for any artist. And you can also, one of the smart things I tell people on the um, social media mentoring thing I do is you can engage with hashtags, not just people. So I engage with a gospel music hashtag. And so anything that comes up on that hashtag, I tend to see. And then people who are talking about that, I engage with them. And that's how I actually grew some of the fans on my on my page and followers on my page is I engage with people who engage on a topic I I love, you could think of something else that you want to follow and engage with people who follow it. It could be looking at um, devotionals, for example, who's talking about hashtag devotionals, engage with them and and grow your page because it's really hard to grow a page on social media these days. So you have to be creative. Yeah. And there's those people unfollowing, follow to unfollow. I'm like, what's the point? Just don't follow me. I know. I know. I don't even hold my breath when people follow me because I, I'm like, I don't know, they might be unfollowing me tomorrow. So if you're fine. Well, that's really cool to hear. And I think um, it kind of lends well to kind of our final question um, as we kind of come to a close. Our time has been great, by the way. So thank you for speaking with me, with us. Thank you for having um, me. So being an artist, especially if you are using social media, like we just talked about, you mm-hmm. are putting your out there you know you are having to like speak to people and you describe yourself as an introvert extrovert right which I kind of really relate to um even though I'm very extra- extroverted I'm also very introverted so it's very confusing to me um and to everyone else so um <laughs> what kind of advice would you give to someone who feels like they've been called to this public ministry but they they themselves would just prefer to sing at home quietly to God and then God alone yeah yeah it would be the advice that God gave me when I first started out, when I was equally struggling. At the time, there was no Instagram, or not that there was no, but it wasn't a thing at the time. It was really Facebook. And um, I used to see people come out on Facebook and go, oh, I've got a new song, or this, that, and the third. And I'm like, God, I don't want to be that person. And honestly, I, I was like, God, I don't want to be bombarding people's feeds every two minutes going, hear my song, check me out, blah, blah, blah. And, and the word that came to my spirit was, if you don't market yourself, nobody would. Mm. And I'm like, okay. So I have to, you know, pull myself up by the bootstraps and learn how to market myself. So it's not like I knew these things from day one. As a matter of fact, it's not like I wanted to do it from day one. I would have rather just um, sat down and waited for the thing to grow by itself, but it would never happen. And also you could get someone to market you, you know, you could get a PR person, but being an independent artist, no one is really going to be able to tell your story like you could. And we live in an age where everyone is being, you know, in a way representing themselves. Even a signed artist will still come on social media and do stuff. You know, even the biggest names will still come out here and, you know, chat to their fans. So even if you're an independent artist and you want to outsource your marketing or your PR, to, to a degree, you still need to do stuff. You need to come out of your shell and it might be challenging. But um, what I try to do is have me time. Mm. So if I have my me time, it's like I've just been at the gas gas station. I've literally got some more energy to go. Yeah. If I keep giving and giving and giving, it gets to a point where I can't anymore. 
So it's very important to make your own me time. And that's one of the things I enjoy about running is because it's just me and God. Mm. You know, it's very important that I have that time of refueling, if you like. And for us introverts, that is literally one of the most important things is having that bubble where we just know there's no one else but us, you know. So when we come out of that, we feel a bit okay to interact and be extroverts for a bit and then go back into our shells. Because at the end of the day, no real balanced, sane introvert is always by themselves 24-7. They they might have (laughs) a little clique of friends and, you know, their little circle and their little social media, 12,000 followers or whatever. But, um, (laughs) But ideally, they just want to be by themselves. So the advice I'll give any artist who's struggling is the truth is you have to market yourself. And even if you get a PR person, you still need to come out and show your face. And the the danger of getting a PR person, as good as it is, is if for whatever reason you end your engagement your or your contract with them, you don't have any of the contacts they've created. Most times they leave with not only their database, but they leave with a strategy. So if they've built your profile using a certain stra- strategy, you know not what they've done. And you can't even replicate it yourself. So you're back to square one trying to find someone else. And it's really tough. So, I mean, we just have to kind of do most of it ourselves. And it does pay off in the long run. It's hard work. Don't get me wrong. But it does pay off. That's really encouraging to hear. And I hope it helps some artists who think maybe my ministry isn't as public facing as I thought. Because this could well be the truth, though. Not everyone is called to be, you know, in the public. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there are people whose calling is literally to be in the background, either praying or encouraging or even just leading worship in church. That could literally be all that you've been called to do. So you have to listen to God's voice. That's the most important thing. What have you been called to do? And if it means stepping out of your comfort zone to do what your calling is, then it's necessitated you have to do it yeah amazing so just to finally end our interview I want to kind of ask a question that's going to be the underlying theme for this series um which is all about the gritty truth um we want you to kind of share a gritty truth that could be related to the side you know the um being an artist side it could be the marketing side it could be the commercial side because we know that being a Christian artist is nowhere you can come to if you want to make money no 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 (laughs) About being a woman, it could be about women's issues, it could be about literally anything, but what's a gritty truth that God has used to really teach you something and that can hopefully be an encouragement to someone else? Hmm. I think one gritty truth um, that actually, when I first heard it, challenged me a lot, was that sometimes you need to unlearn things that you've mm. known before in order to grow. So when I started out in 20. 20- 15, at the time I was still writing for the 2016 project, I was sharing some of my initial song ideas with a couple of um, people I looked up to. And one of them came back to me and after listening to one of my songs said to me, you can write songs, but you're not a songwriter. And that broke me because it was really harsh criticism. It was true Mm -hmm. at the time, but it was harsh. And I cried. And then, and it was a gritty truth which I struggled with for like five minutes. And then I said to myself, okay, you know what? You are going to have to, I cried for a bit. I don't even think my husband knew about it. I then said to myself, I'm going to prove them wrong. Mm. Right? I'm going to unlearn. I may have had some bad habits because, you know, sometimes you've been writing songs and truth be told, they're probably good to you, but not good to share with the world. And that was the harsh truth I needed, I needed to come to terms with. Um, And I learned a lot of things and I had to relearn, not even relearn, learn, you know, the techniques of songwriting. 
Yeah. And I had to learn it really fast. Um, I had to watch people, what they did. I had to break down songs and see and reconstruct them. You know, so mm. it was a really harsh truth for me. But the thing is, how do you handle criticism? Do you? And I was never offended by the person. I was hurt. But then I'm like, well, if they never told me that, and they say, oh, yeah, it's good. What was it of my music? You know, so in a way I was angry for, and, and genuinely for like five minutes, I was like, you know, you just, it's like you get a punch and you get the, the whole, you know, the, the effect of it, it hits you in the face. But then suddenly you're like, okay, yeah, it hurts. But you know what? It's either I run or I face this battle, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to face this, you know, I'm going to relearn, unlearn bad habits and, you know, pick myself up and do what I need to do. So if you're in this and, you know, you can't handle criticism, it's going to be a bit of a struggle because you want to really put things out that would be the best as far as, yeah. you know, you can with, within your abilities. And if you can't take criticism, constructive criticism, or even, you know, brutal criticism and take something out of it, you might struggle because we're never at our state of perfection. We're all striving to, you know, a higher standard of excellence and, and, and a higher standard of quality, if you like. So, that is a, that was a harsh truth for me. That broke me, but that also built me and that got me to where I am today. So that would be something I'd leave with anyone who would find it useful, really. Amazing. And I feel like there's definitely more stuff that you could tell us that could be so useful for artists, for even just fans of Christian music, gospel music. And so I would encourage anyone that is listening or watching to get in touch with you. If you could just share like the socials, you know, maybe how they can get in touch with your mentoring program or social media advice. Yes. So my um plat oh, my platform, my my handle on all platforms, I wish it was my platform, is Sarah Tabo Music. So on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's Sarah Tabo Music. You can email me at music at saratabo.co.uk or even just chat to me on, you know, preferably Instagram, um, Sarah Tabo Music, and I'll respond and we can just take it from there. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, um, I had fun. Thanks. <laughs> I'm glad. This is going to be such a blessing to some people because it wasn't just fluffy and, yeah, sing praises to the Lord. Yay. It's like, no, we're going to be real, which I love. So I hope it is. I hope it blesses people as much as it has blessed amen, me. Amen. Amen. Hi, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, make sure to leave a like rating wherever you're listening to this and to follow us on Instagram at shehhpodcast.